You're listening to Episode 10 of the Happy Space Podcast. Today, we're talking about hiring for neurodiversity with Keith Isaac of TD Bank Group. Welcome to the Happy Space Podcast, a place where highly sensitive people thrive. Not only will we learn how to better navigate life with our superpowers, we'll find ways to better manage the challenges too. We'll hear from product and service innovators, space designers, and leaders who believe in creating an inclusive, neurologically safe world. If you're highly sensitive or want to better understand and support someone who is, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Claire Kumar, and I'm so very happy you're here. I was speaking with a journalist recently about my passion for inclusivity and sustainable performance and how highly sensitive people are, however, often marginalized and invited to opt out or burn out. And her ears perked up when I made the connection between high sensitivity and the neurodivergent mind. So neurodivergency is getting to be more well understood. And there is some interesting work, very powerful work underway right now at one of Canada's top five banks, one of North America's top 10 banks, TD Bank Group. They are very proud of their focus on diversity and inclusion. Let me read you a, a statement on their website. It says, diversity and inclusion are part of our fundamental values that help us support our customers, colleagues, and communities. From our hiring practices to accessible design, we're working towards maintaining a welcoming barrier-free culture for everyone. And I just want to celebrate that barrier-free culture because having that mission is going to open the doors for inclusivity for a lot of people and the neurodivergent and highly sensitive are amongst those. There is also an article in case anyone's interested in finding it, the case for changing the way you hire, which is what we dig into in this episode. In this podcast, I'm speaking with Keith Isaac, He's the VP, Vice President of Capital Markets Risk Management for TD Bank Group. And he's got new practices within his organization to help him to adopt and recruit and onboard neurodivergent people. So tune in to find out what prompted Keith to really become a champion in his organization for this effort. See how many people have been onboarded and are in the company right now and the impact that that's had. Find out more, more than why this is the right thing to do, why it's a business imperative. I hope you'll enjoy this episode. Today's episode of the Happy Space podcast is sponsored by ClaireKumar.com. Not only am I excited to spearhead the Happy Space movement, I love coaching busy professionals to achieve greater productivity and well-being. The two go hand in hand. I also adore taking the stage. If you're looking for an interactive, engaging event to inspire and invite action, whether it be on successful work-life integration, sustainable performance, organization and productivity, or expanding inclusivity. Please visit clairekumar.com and find out more. Oh, and if you haven't already joined the Happy Space Pod, it's our complimentary online community. You'll find it right at clairekumar.com 
slash happy space. So Keith, thanks for joining me today. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you'll be able to share the inspiring things that you and your company are doing with TD Bank Group. I'm, I'm really um, hoping you can just explain for listeners what the initiative has been uh, so far. Maybe just give us, a, give us a bit of a description and then we'll dig into it a little bit more. So I'll start by saying TD's well-recognized for inclusion and diversity. Uh, and that's in all pillars, in all areas, whether it's race or gender or, uh, or uh, sexual orientation, uh, and also uh, bringing on people with individuals with diverse abilities. I think we're undergoing a bit of a branding change. You know, it was called Peoples with Disabilities first, but I like the, uh, the newer one, which is individuals with diverse abilities. So uh, looking for you know, different ways of, of uh, increasing our, our, our diversity in our workforce. Yeah. So this was one uh, initiative that was... Uh, we partnered. I think the the first. I, I can't take credit for being the first. Uh, TD Insurance was the first in 2016 okay. to do a, a cohort with Specialty Strata. So Specialty Strata is a Danish organization. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a Danish from specialists, and and the mission is a million jobs. Um, and essentially, it's focusing on uh, those on the autism spectrum and with other neurodivergence. So we're using the term neurodivergent now because everybody is neurodiverse. Doesn't tell you anything. Um, so this way, it's, it's a better descriptor. Um, so they, they had started with that in 2016. And I, mm-hmm. the way we have it organized is generally, depending on what segment you're in, there's a, there are the individual diversity pillars. And then there's usually a segment group that does things within those pillars. Um, so I was on, you know, I, I'm on the risk pillar. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a sort of a no-brainer. I saw a, a webinar around uh, what the experience was uh, in the first cohort. And uh, I have a tie to uh, to autism because my daughter's on the spectrum. So it was a very natural thing for me to say, okay, right. yeah, absolutely. I can, you know, be the executive sponsor of the risk cohort, which was in, in 2017. And right. that cohort, we brought on eight people. Um, so I solicited six roles alone into my own team, and then there were two other risk roles in there. Wow. And How big is your team then? So six people out of? About 250. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. But that's, and that was the first cohort. So now I've, I've hired <laughs> yeah, in the interim intervening space over 20. Wow. <laughs> alone, and then the bank is, the bank is now uh, approaching about 50 altogether. So it's been great. Amazing. So, so I just applaud that, um, that effort because yes, this, the way you phrase it, individuals with diverse abilities as a productivity coach, I talk a lot about productivity being personal and we need diverse ways of thinking. I mean, the, the science around diverse voices leading to richer solutions is, is well-documented and well-proven. So, um, you mentioned a personal connection with your daughter, and I've, I've also looked at other backgrounds of people who have been champions with organizations. And how does that influence your, your proclivity or your appetite to say, you know, put your hand up and say, oh, this totally makes sense. How did you connect the dots there? Well, it's, it's easy to see the, the potential um, and it's easy to see how, uh, you know, she could be, you know, otherwise othered or put into a box and saying, well, you know, yeah. all of the think, you know, if you look back to the to Rain Man, right, which was, you know, at the time, a very um, sort of ahead of its time movie, but and, yes. you know, it was a double-edged sword because it really characterized almost all autistic people, uh, you know, as, as someone who is, was Dustin Hoffman's character. 
But the reality is, you know, one person with autism, you know, one person with autism. So you, so everybody's different, has different strengths. It is yes. a spectrum. I like the way, you know, we, we go right from saying linear, people like to use the term, well, you know, high functioning or low functioning. And it's, it's not an accurate descriptor because you can be very high functioning, um, you know, in terms of how you, how you write, but then, but it'll be nonverbal. And that doesn't mean you're any higher or lower. So yeah. um, knowing what her potential was, um, knowing, you know, her character and all that and seeing, Seeing, you know, turning around and seeing the, the, what the barriers are going to potentially be for her in the future, uh, it was a very easy leap to do that. So that's one piece. And the other part mm -hmm. is what Specialist Trainer will tell you is it's, yes, it's nice to do it for, for, you know, for the people that are coming in as candidates, but it's also, you know, bringing in that diverse viewpoint um, from, from uh, you know, other points of view, mm -hmm. um, those who, who are neuro neurodivergent. Um, it's it's actually uh, an advantage to business because you are having people look at problems in a different way. Right. So moral imperative, business imperative, the two go hand in hand. And that's what I'm hoping leaders who are listening take away from our conversation is that there's the potential here to include minds that, as you say, they might have been othered. And in the corporate world, what did that look like thus far? You know, without this modification and adjustment and, and, um, well, it's still there. So, so, I mean, it's, mm. this is, we're still, you know, there's still an organization called Special Certa because there needs to be. I mean, the, mm -hmm. hopefully the future is, is you don't need one because then, you know, all of the HR, it's really HR processes really around recruitment, onboarding, and then the inclusion within just within the workforce in general. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's easier to, it's actually easier to make smaller tweaks than it is to actually have those individuals come in and try to conform to whatever is supposed to be the, the workplace norms, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and the workplace has built up barriers in a lot of different ways, whether it comes from the job description, uh, mm. which has, you know, always contains jargon, um, you know, colloquialisms, uh, you know, things that wasted things that, you know, proven leadership ability. Well, what is that actually, right? Um, so if I'm looking at that and I'm, you know, I've either never had a job before, I've had one, and maybe I've you know, managed a, a yogurt shop or something like that. I said, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't have that. I thought apply. So right away, yeah. that's a barrier. I don't even think you have to be neurodivergent to not understand what that means. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but everybody likes to put it in for whatever reason, because if I don't put it in there, then maybe I just won't get that, right? It makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's taking a hard look at the HR processes from inviting people to be part of the company, then all the way through. And <laughs> um, so... Yeah, because if you if you haven't got people into the company, then then they're not even part of the conversation to begin with, right? That's so, right. yeah, I was looking at some research um, because there's ADHD in my client base and in my family, and looking at that particular group and looking at the numbers of kids that you know just get to the end of high school and the attrition that happens again in university, and then there's further attrition with you know even investing so much effort. And, and inability to actually get into the workforce. Yeah. So could you share a little bit about maybe the kinds of changes that have happened to make that uh, process more inclusive? So you mentioned jargon and some of the language. Yeah. What else has evolved in, in you know, the process of bringing people into the company? Well, there's also re, re the interview process because everybody's, you know, these days, again, we think it's the best approach to hire somebody mm. and match them with a job based on a, a one-hour behavioral interview. Yeah. Um, it's really not, right? It's like, a, oh, it's a fit and I get a feel and all these kinds yeah. of things. But really, you're not yeah. necessarily matching what the, the strengths are 
um, and the skill sets and, 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 and the ways of working that will actually, you know, uh, appeal to the workforce that will align with it. And so yeah. that's another place where it's, which is a huge barrier. So again, this is a structured way, way of bringing people in. Back yeah. when we were doing it in 2017, it was, it mm. was actually bringing, you know, the, the, the recruitment process was uh, looking at how uh, individuals would, would build Lego robots and just watching kind of as they, they made the task more and more complex. Yeah, uh, how they attended to it, and so when you yeah. when you saw Pronto as a blind hiring, so is see the 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 person just like they get a candidate profile, right? The profile has all the usual credentials, education, and mm. uh, experience, and also as you know, what's their endurance like? How do they attend to you know? Th- do they ask a lot of questions? Do they need like a lot of details before they go mm-hmm. on to the next step, or they they're able to take that initiative? Mm-hmm. So if you give it, you get a sense of what that person's work style is as well. And whether whether the role is, is you know the, the way that you think that the the group would work together and, and the role itself, um, right? The types of processes and whether that's a match or not. Interesting. Does it look at all about um, the amount of work that needs to be done potentially quietly on your own versus in a team environment, like like the different workspaces that come into play and work practices that fall out of that? Well, I think you can, I think the, the nice thing about it is, again, you know, the stereotype is, is that you should all be, you know, behind the screen type of jobs. And, you know, mm. because there are ever, because everybody's coming in as introverted and they're not good communicators. Mm. And that's, you throw that out the window when you mm. meet the first candidate board, because so what, they, what they'll do is they'll bring it in. It's a four, it was, it's a four week onboarding process. Um, okay. And, and it's done in cohorts for a couple of reasons. Because there's supports, you need to yeah. amortize that support over a number of people because there's a job coach that, uh, that's, that's bringing them into the workforce, right? And so the, right. the first two weeks, they, you know, they tend to meet in groups and do things in Scrum. And then in the meantime, they yeah. get used to where they're going. And there's some things we just take for granted. Where's the office? Um, <laughs> right? You know, how do you, <laughs> yeah. How do you yeah, get especially there? now. Where, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Well, that, well, well, now it's actually, this has been, you know, actually COVID has been a bit of a positive in some ways because it's actually been somewhat easier for for. Uh, some newer candidates to align to the workforce because it hasn't been like in your face slot days, right? So um, it's been it's been a bit of an equalizer, which is which is very nice. I I love that. Which brings up another point. Oh my gosh, there's so many things you're saying that I would just love to jump on. But um, this one of the most prevalent things that I've, as a highly sensitive person, and that I see in the neurodivergent community, is that autonomy and having some ability to influence where and when and how we work is really critical to achieving the greatest productivity. Uh, and I'm wondering if if you're seeing that now uh, any differently as, as we've emerged through the pandemic or we're still <laughs> emerging through it. And we've had um, to a large degree, a lot of autonomy. And right now there's a lot of dialogue, especially in some banking organizations about I just want everything to go back to normal and want all the yeah. the butts in seats again, right? So what's your what's your sense, especially working with this population and uh, seeing the the connection to their efficacy? Well, I, I don't think there's any I mean, I've always been a believer of what you know uh, of where is where any work of having you know FaceTime is not necessary uh, mm. if the if the job doesn't require it. so if i if I have a customer facing role, yeah. Um, yes, I believe that there's relationships that are formed when you're you're meeting face to face, and it's not a it's not a deal breaker. But yeah. you know there there is a, a more gravitation towards doing well, that. Just just as a thought, though, I have a TD Securities Advisor, <laughs> and 
our meetings are so effective on Zoom because I can see that screen she's showing me so much better than looking over her shoulder at her desk screen, which was never really angled for me, the customer anyway. So I'm actually having a better experience with my advisor um, Mm -hmm. working remotely. It's like we've navigated it. We've worked. Everybody's comfortable on Zoom now. The lighting is good. The sound is good. We understand if there's a dog barking, we'll reschedule or we'll use crisp AI and, and get rid of the sound. So it's, it's interesting because I think over the past months, the way we have accomplished or, or evolved to accomplish tasks has also shifted to some degree. Yeah. yeah. I think, well, I think, I think it's, it's great technology has been a good equalizer that way. So I, I do think yeah. we should take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to say, we don't want you to lose the, the concern, I guess, is that, you know, how our culture is built, right? So, yes. that, and this is the thing that you can't get it. And you, and I don't think we're going to know for a while, whether or not that there's really, you know, there's a lot more turnover now, uh, sort of in the last few months, mm. the market's very hot for people. Uh, and a part of that is it's believed to be a part of it is because we've all been remote that our you know, personal tie to the organization is fraying in that way. So you don't, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't get to hang out with the team and all that. I don't mm. know if that's true or not. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, that's feeling, and so it's easier to take. You know, but if a head hunter calls you, it's easier to, to take that call because you know. Well, I've just joined the organization two years ago. I haven't really met any of my team. I don't really feel that mm-hmm. I'm letting anybody down, and so I can yeah. go. And, so there, there's a bit of that, and creates a bit of, of that transaction orientation that way I, mm-hmm. I don't know whether or not that will will stick or that's true or it's just a function of, that's just the market or the, the group of people so so it's, it's a, yeah it's a big question because as we look at culture uh i think there's been an absence in many organizations of building time into the day to foster that connection there's so many stories of people still eating lunch at their desk even when mm-hmm. they were in the office, right? So it's like, we, I think we were missing even that that social connection need that we had. And yeah, certainly if somebody's joined an organization, they haven't been able to have it, but I'm not sure to, if it was a, there in the North American culture to the extent it has been in other cultures where I've worked. And in Tokyo, for example, we I, one of the great joys of going to work besides the work itself and the people was we would go out to lunch every day. Right. And lunch in Tokyo was phenomenal and way cheaper <laughs> than dinner. So it was yeah. like the only way to really maximize that experience. But we made time for it. And in Europe, I hear some some of the same, but it, it really depends. And I think we're at a pivotal moment where we can say, what kind of culture do we, do we want to, to instill and really make time for? and talk about in in the way we construct work. And yeah, now for different people, it's going to be, oh, no, thanks. I don't want to go out to a group group lunch. Right. That's going to be uncomfortable. But maybe there's, you know, small groups or maybe there, you know, there's different ways that can emerge. But that that need for social connection for, for most of us is there to some degree. Um, and I think you're right. We've had um, especially for introverted people and potentially people on the spectrum as well, greater comfort in not being um, so in the spotlight, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it's been interesting. My, I was in a meeting this morning and uh, we were talking about the future of work. And I said, can I please be the voice of inclusivity at this table? Because in the whole return to work conversation for convenience or control issues, we need to remember that we've invited a lot more people to the party. 
and they've yes. been making incredible contributions. So, so speaking about the contributions and what you've noticed, uh, I'm curious what you've seen in your own experience bringing these six or six people first out of 250, now grown to 20 and now 50 people in the organization. Uh, what are you noticing are some of the benefits uh, of bringing this group of people in? Well, I think there's, there's a benefit to the individuals as they're, they're learning different tasks and, in, and some of them are already becoming financial services experience. So mm. they, they are, they're able to, you know, clearly it's, I'm always believes, you know, attitude to competencies is the core technical because the technicals, I think you can usually teach. Yes. Um, so, so you're usually, you know, you're getting the right people in, in the door that way. You know, I have people with sort of medical backgrounds or, or, you know, that might come right. in and say, well, okay, let me look. It's, it's a complex problem. It's data related, but I, it doesn't have to be financial services data. So I'll let me explain yeah. to me that product and see, explain the product and now they know. Um, yeah. Not, it's not a barrier in that way. So I think you realize that, that the talent pool is wider, you know, is, is broader than you thought it was to begin with. Uh. Um, I think another big one is the, yeah, realization for me is this is no different a group than my you know, neurotypicals in the sense that if I look at where they are now, right? Some of the people who come through the organization. So I have, you know, on one end, I have steady eddies um, who are in the same role that they are, they were in when they joined mm -hmm. and they're very happy and they continue to, to do it really, really well and mm -hmm. don't really seek to uh, or necessarily have potential for doing other different things, but that doesn't yeah. matter. That's the perfect fit. I have a ton of people who need to go and find what the next thing is. So it's really nice to have people who are willing to continue to do what they do and do it well. Yes. Uh, all the way to the end of, uh, of having people who have been promoted and who have uh, you know, received legendary awards and all of that great stuff too, right? right. In the same way, there's nothing and, and, and all, everything in between. So, yeah. you know, we, we think you're segmenting a group, but the group is this really you know, over a population is basically what you're seeing with neurotypical. Yeah. So that's on, on the employee side, on the yeah. manager side. Um, you know, we like to think of this as, as universal design, right? Where you are designing processes that are uh, necessary to get the most out of the employees that you have that are more divergent, uh, yeah. but they're better for everybody. Right. Well, that exactly when you were describing the hiring process and taking out jargon and a four week onboarding process, when yeah. I started way back in telecom, way back in telecom, uh, I remember 20 days, which is the four weeks onboarding yeah. training and being part of a cohort. We had a two week um, where we were with the same 20 people, I think it was. And you really felt part of something. Yeah. So I I hope listen. Um, people, leaders are listening because it is building this social connection, a sort of a heavy front end that will build this trust and engagement and support. And we all actually need it. So, so what are we doing? You know, how can we take some lessons from this? And do you think, do you think there might be a trickle down effect from some of this really focused work you're doing for this community and that it might have positive benefits that'll extend out out of this work. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I've already seen it. So, so the other part of it where I was going to mention was the manager side, right? So, yeah. so at the beginning, you were very selective about which managers you were going to have to participate in the program. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they had an inclusion. They were, they were generally, you know, good, good communicators. Like we were, we were selected yeah. because we wanted it to succeed. It was basically a pilot. Um, yeah. And what they discovered, so one of the things, again, that this, this group in particular needs is clear communication. Like there isn't the, like how many times have you walked out of, out of a, you know, out of a meeting with a subordinate or a superior and say, like, I think I know what they want, but I'm not entirely sure. 
uh, because they weren't really clear about what, what it was they were looking for. I, I have some research from Eagle Hill Consulting, and one of the causes of burnout and frustration is lack of lack of clarity, lack of communication. It's like it's in there for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a must for this group, therefore. Yes. But but the managers discover, well, yes. if I apply the same things, the same you know methods of communication mm. with the rest of my team, I'm getting more out of routine that way. And yeah. they, and then it's it's a virtuous <laughs> circle. So the other managers in their peer yeah. group start to see, oh, like I'm having this issue with this with this person or this group, or then I can't quite. Well, did you try this and try this? And so it it's, it trickles. So now whenever whenever it's a cohort that's coming in and we want to add a couple of roles to it, uh, I don't really think about who the managers are going to be because I know the managers of the team right. have learned from the other managers of the team and they, and they come with an inclusive mindset and they come with that communication. And, yeah. you know, if they need a little bit of support, they get it, they get the support. But at the end of the day, they are right as opposed to, you know, we don't know, we, we still kind of, you know, in the old ways. So yeah. it's, it really is, it is a change for everyone um, mm-hmm. in the way that they, uh, the way that you do things. And it should be the way of the future, frankly. Well, the yeah. way the presence and then even much more ingrained. I think that's where the struggle is, is, is to, you know, special startup is great and it's, but it's, you know, you want to get to a million jobs. You need to help enable companies to do these things on their own. Um, yes. And it's taking up the yes. saying, okay, well, how do we bring this, you know, into HR uh, more broadly? And then they apply the yes. same kinds of, of discipline around the job descriptions and the interview process and the diverse yeah. slates and all the and, and the onboarding pieces that where we get that the most out of everybody. So I, I don't I don't see anything in this that we're doing that's that's that is sort of throwaway, right? That oh it has to just be it's an accommodation, right? These aren't really accommodations. Accommodations are very few and far between. Yeah. This is these are table stakes to to get the most out of your employed managers. I'll tell you, as someone who studied productivity now for 15 years and read deeply on ADHD, everything that I learned that would help somebody with ADHD kind of helps everybody. (laughs) It's it's like, ah, chunking work. Yeah. Breaking things down, being super clear, um, you know, really navigating your calendar well. It's just uh, in the, it's interesting because I don't think it's taught very well in our school system. No. And so if you're lucky, you've got a great role model and you watch what they do and you go, oh, I gotta, I'm going to absorb some of that. But we've got different motivations for figuring that stuff out too. And if we're not highly motivated to figure out how to be organized, oh, I know I've seen interventions from teachers and binders in school. And I'm just, I'm like, oh yeah, because it's not innate for everyone. Yeah. If only it could be part of the way that we were thinking about helping everybody navigate um, systems. I mean, I guess, in you know, I think of kindergarten classrooms and we have very clear instructions. We have well-labeled places and we have time that embeds tidy up time. And we've got a musical cue that says, everybody's going to do this now. <laughs> and then it falls apart after that. And you're just, <laughs> just like, <laughs> right. And you're just left up to whatever happenstance. Um, yeah. So I, uh, what do you think is going to happen in your organization then as a result of being bold enough to invite this way of, of coming in? And, and it's like you say, it's trickling out in the HR process. Do you think there'll be anything more formal to say, oh, my gosh, we, this needs to be a way of operating now? I hope so. I think I think this, like anything else, change is hard for people and, mm-hmm. and large changes, you know, it's it's. 
you, you really need the tone from the top to say that this is, it's just, it's just a very hard thing to do. I think, I think just yeah. this general organizational inertia. Uh, and yeah. I don't speak, you know, and, and I speak from a very progressive organization, right? I, but, mm-hmm. but, I, but I do think that most companies do struggle with that to say, you know, but we've just done this, we've always, always done it this way. And people are yeah. very comfortable with, with their, you know, call it biases, you know, small B biases in the mm-hmm. way that they you know, I've gotten to where I've gotten because I'm successful and I've been successful because I do, I do things this way. And so why shouldn't I change it? Right. right. So, you know, I think, you think, you think Elon's got some of that going on. It's very interesting to look at Elon as a case here, right? Yeah. Because neurodiversity right at play, but I think also a bias, maybe small B, maybe big B, the way I work is the way everyone should work. Yep. And I think that leadership bias exists in a lot of founders and a lot of, and like, it's my right to say, this is how we're going to do things. And this is how we're going to do things. Uh, but it's interesting to have somebody on the spectrum, you know, I think maybe not making room for diversity in approach to work. Yeah. Do you have, a, do you have any it's, thoughts it's on that? It's almost ironic. <laughs> it's almost ironic. Well, I mean, I, I first sort of, you know, is it a tactic or not a tactic, right? You know, sort of the theories are going saying, well, he's got to hire, he's got to fire 10% of his staff anyway. So maybe this is yeah. a way that he can kind of filter things out. But I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where um, you've had to let go of stuff for a couple of years. So depending where you're actually at, when you step back and look at it and say, mm. I'm happy where things are, or I'm not happy where things are. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's in, and if you, if you see that it's binary, yeah. then I'm not happy where the way things are, then I've got to bring it back to what it used to be because it was better back then. And so mm. I, I don't know whether it's, whether it's kind of actually saying it's, uh, you know, throw out the whole baby with the bathwater. Yeah. Locally, so I shouldn't use, but, um, but, you know, along that yeah. way is really just throwing the rhythm now versus saying, okay, well, what, what MG has worked and it's hasn't a, Yeah. Worked. Where's the nuance is, is. This is yeah. sort of my question in here. And is it another good uh, marketing ploy to just, you know, take up some some new space? But I I think it's, I, I think there's a leadership role there in terms of inclusivity that is completely not on the, not on the to-do list there for sure. Yeah, um, yeah but I was, it was particularly curious when you've got somebody of the community sort of, yeah, just, you know, yeah, so, but sort of what, single exactly, track. What's worked for me is, yeah. you know, this... I, I am a billionaire. I I'm brilliant. I'm it's because I work so hard. And so therefore well, I'm just insane. Yeah. When I was in the corporate world, it was regular on the regular that ten percent of the workforce was fell off the way and, you know, was was invited. Well, that was to, the Jack Welch theory. Right? Exactly. Yeah, so that's that that's not really that's not really new. So no. so but how are we gonna be nuanced? I heard some research out of um uh, U of T professor this morning saying that they've done some research and segmented people who are, you know, what will they do if their company says you must come back to work? And they segment it into the top performers down to the bottom performers. And the top two groups had the highest percentages of people that said, I'm going to take myself somewhere else. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to say, I want to get rid of the, the poorest performing 10%. You might lose your top 20%. Yeah. Well, there's the head of machine learning for, is it for Apple? I think mm-hmm. Zoom, I've been believing three days a week in the office. Yeah. Okay. It's like, this is kind of a universal thing. It has nothing to do with the work performance. So at your own risk, leader, Absolutely. If, with your yep. thinking this. I have one last question for you. And it's, mm-hmm. it's um, jumping off from the point that you said, um, 
the neurodivergent community, yes, it, the specialist journal work came from autism, but then expands into all kinds of neurodiversity. And when I look at neuro, neurodiversity, I firmly include highly sensitive people in that, but there's no diagnosis. And so ADHD, there's diagnosis. For some, getting a diagnosis can sometimes be expensive and challenging and have all yep. kinds of um, barriers to it. How does that play into what's uh, the t what's happening at TD uh, Bank Group and whether a diagnosis is critical or whether there's a um, an effort to really take down barriers for anybody who might identify as neurodivergent? So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, you'd have to ask Alan, Chris, and specialist Serena about, yeah. their, you know, their intake. Uh, my yeah. understanding is I think it is a diagnosis that's required to get into the program mm -hmm. uh, or to get into their, into their database, but I, I'm not sure. Okay, um, I, I will ask him. Yeah, you can ask him. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. I, I do think it's I do think it's a challenge when you when you're doing. So here's the thing: right? you're, you're you are working on inclusion with diversity pillars to yeah. hopefully never need inclusion or diversity pillars in the future. Right. And so you know, but you have to start somewhere, and everybody is very performance focused and making sure that they bring in a number of people to know. Well, I do have a representation from that group. And right. therefore, I could hope while they're in the door, yeah. they're progressing through, they will create their own communities and mm -hmm. it was, well, and sooner or later, it will, you know, you won't need to do it anymore, um, you know, because that, that they'll be, they'll be well entrenched as part of the workforce and you know, we don't, we no longer see it. I, and that's, mm -hmm. we're way off from that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's a challenge when you don't have an identifier. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, I think, you know, the openness of, of the, thing about what's interesting of the diagnosis also is disclosure because you know we don't require people to disclose mm -hmm. so you know in, in some cases i know they've come through special experience so i know they have some diagnosis i, I don't know what it is mm -hmm. uh, and i don't need to know and mm -hmm. and it's really up to them to even say whether they whether they're you know there's individuals that i have that are happy to do podcasts right and to yeah. say i am neurodivergent i'm on the autism spectrum and yeah. i'm hired to me and this is all fantastic yeah. and i have yeah. said that that even to, to the date, like we're showing how inclusive we are, but they still don't feel comfortable. Mm. Um, and so you're managing through some of those things. Um, so I think to have to, to what, the main thing is, is if you don't have one and, and it's, and you want to sort of identify in that way, you talk, yeah. without calling it, labeling it anything, yeah. um, is to be honest and open about the things that make you who you are and why you're a highly sensitive person. Therefore, I need X, yeah. Y, and Z. These are the things that make me go. Yeah. These are the things that make me stop. Yeah. Um, and just be open that way. Um, yeah. And the hope is, is that you either, you know, with, with the right kind of management team or peers or that, that are able to support you for who you are. And frankly, that's really what, even with a diagnosis, that's really what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. I have a little talk called Never Mind the Label, which is yeah. kind of what I want to get to. We want to break down barriers, not people. So that's, that's, exactly the, right. that's the opportunity. Um, thank you so much for shedding so much light. And I'm hoping inspiring our listeners out there to really think about how you might bring this kind of initiative into your organization. Um, I just want to leave you with one question. And this is coming back to what you might wish for your daughter as, you know, as she grows and becomes eligible to be part of your organization or other organizations there, what do you wish that she will see when she's ready for that? That she'll be able to do whatever she wants to do, that there's, that there won't be barriers for her. 
mm-hmm. um, that she will be, you know, uh, considered for any opportunity in the same way that in your typical what that those biases barriers are gone. And yeah. that when she, um, you know, enters the workforce, much as we think about her school, you know, that the people um, appreciate her differences. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's the biggest thing I think from, from an inclusive society is approaching with yeah. With curiosity and interest and caring and, and that stuff, and you'll find people who are, you know, who don't want to label you, don't want to, you know, oh, that that that's just weird, right? And and yeah, this understand, you know, lo- loving her for who she is and wanting to work with her for who she is. That's really what you know what comes down to, because um, yeah. I think it just makes it it just makes a better workforce. And I'll leave you just one, one little anecdote sure. um, around around the group of people and and how. You know, using language and all that, and colloquialism. So, you know, neurodivergent, you know, one person with autism, you know, one person with autism. But one thing mm-hmm. that tends to run through is nuance is difficult, very literal. Um, so, if you're yeah. telling me like there's many ways to skin a cat, I'm looking for the cat. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, why are you using that term? Like, I don't yeah. want to. Like, and, yeah. So, you know, and, and these kinds of things. So, I, I was telling a story about that I and mean, sort of the water cooler talk and all that stuff. Mm. And so, and one of my senior managers spoke up to me and he says, he says, you know, all of those things that are a barrier in the sense, because they don't get, they don't get your conversation, right? Like, it's, right. all of you gone into like talking to me about what's happening in the real world, but like, and not using jargon or, or colloquialism, so mm-hmm. I know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes to me, he says, it's a barrier for me too. He says, English is my third language. Right. Right. And so I yeah. can't, I, I can access, I can understand when you're talking to me about work and yeah. very simple things. But if you start to use stuff like do the work like outside the box, where's the box? True. Excellent. Excellent example. Right. So yeah. 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 And that creates an inclusive yeah. workspace is all I have to say. Because yeah. you're part of the group. Yeah. Well, just a personal thanks for being a champion in this area and uh, and for your daughter. I wish the same. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us and, and spreading the, the good work that you're doing. Thank you. Always will. Awesome. Thanks so thanks much. Thanks for having Welcome. me on, Claire. Oh, my great pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all of the Happy Space Podcast episodes over at happyspacepod.com. That is also where you'll find a link to our online community. Please leave a review over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. And if you liked what you heard, please share. After all, doesn't everyone deserve a happy space? Happy Space.